We're starting a brand new series. It's on the songs or the Psalms of the Bible. And I want to show you something. Um, before we jump in to look at any song, the thing I need to remind you is not every song is built the same way. You know that. Hey, um, can you sing this song for me real quick? I just need you to sing it. Yeah, congratulations. That was beautiful. That was awesome. That was great. I heard some of you, they sung it. That was great. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. So um, if you ever stop to think about what this song means, it's kind of weird. I actually had to ask someone today, what is this song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, really about? It takes you a minute if you think about it. What is it about? It's about a star. But he, call, he talks to you. He's like talking to a star like it's a person. Now, now this song, different type of song. Okay, you don't have to sing this one. This is a famous old song. Um, talking about sunshine on a cloudy day. So it's interesting. We're also talking about something in the sky. Do you notice that? We're talking about something that's in the sky. When it's cold outside, I've got the month of May. Did you know that? Did you know this song? It's an old, old song. I guess you'd say... What can make me feel this way? My girl. My girl. My girl. Three times in a row. Talking about my girl. And again, if you didn't catch it the first time, my girl. So it seems as though we're talking about a girl in this song. Am I right? That's what it seems like. It does. Talk... But hey, if, if you didn't know those tunes, and if you didn't hear the music, because the thing is, when you saw both those lyrics, you thought of music, didn't you, right? You thought of music behind it, if you know those songs, okay? Here's the thing. When you read the songs in the Bible, you don't hear music behind it, do you? They all kind of look the same, which is why if you didn't, if you were an alien and never saw, saw those songs before, and you read those, it would take you a little bit of time to figure out what they're talking about. But it'd be helpful if I told you that these are two different types of songs. One of them is a lullaby that moms sing to the little babies as they go to sleep. The other is a love song. It's not about, it's not a lullaby, right? It's a love song, okay? Two different types of songs. But do you see how if you didn't know the song behind it, if you didn't know the music, you would need something like that to understand how to read those songs and to understand what the songs mean. Because you talk about the first one, oh, sunshine on a cloudy day. Is this guy talking to like his daughter? Is this guy talking to like a baby? Like, who are you talking to? My girl. Right, no, it's talking about, you know, a guy who's in love with somebody. But you need to know that if you're going to understand it properly. You kind of have to have that explained to you. Which is why when we look at this book of Psalms, the word psalm is the same word that we say today as a song. Okay, so we're talking about different kinds of songs. Did you know the Bible has lots of songs in it? Okay? And not all the songs are in this book. There's songs in the book of Exodus. There's songs in the book of 1 Samuel. There's songs in the book of Luke. There are songs all throughout the Bible, even in the book of Isaiah. There's songs in the book of Revelation. So there's some songs all over the Bible. But this one book was the song book that the ancient people of Israel, in the days of, of Isaiah and the prophets that we just read, in those days they had this book and they would read it and they would sing along to it. So in order to understand this, you guys got this worksheet right here. 
You have a big chart, okay? So about half of what I want to do tonight is just talk about the Psalms, what this book is, and really the different types of songs. Just like if I went through a bunch of musical genres with you, I could say there's love songs, there are lullabies, like I said. Name some other song types. What other song types? Hip-hop? Classic rock? Country? Rap? Jazz? EDM? Dubstep, says Juan Gomez, okay. Christian rap, okay, a little, little genre change there. K-pop, okay. Lewis liked that one. Trap, techno, yeah, okay. So the point, kids bop, yeah, that's a, that's a genre. That's right. So do you see how there's a ton of different types of songs? And if you were going to really understand, if it really mattered for you to understand what a song was saying, you'd have to know what genre it's from. That's no different with the Psalms. And we can't just say that every song is the same because all these songs are different and there's a few types of Psalms. So in that chart, what I want you to start filling out are some types of Psalms. So the first type of Psalm that we're going to look at is one that we're going to look at tonight. It's a teaching Psalm or a wisdom Psalm. So in these songs, we've got somebody who's talking here and everyone would sing this song, but it's designed to teach us something. Something about God, something about the Bible, something about ourselves, and even beyond that. So, by the way, before we even go through this whole list of, of songs, I just want you to know, I'm not even giving you all the types of psalms there are. There are more than this. I'm just giving you the ones that we're going to go over. So you see on your worksheet, you've got a lot of different psalms. Those are the types of psalms that we're going to go through. There's more than what I'm listing, and I'll tell you that later, but these are just the ones we're going through. And examples for you, Psalm 1, Psalm 15, Psalm 19, Psalm 73, and Psalm 90 all can be called teaching or wisdom psalms, and we're going to cover all of those in this spring semester. Okay? We're going to talk about all those teaching psalms. And I just want to give you an example of the first verse, and you're going to notice how this is very much a teaching psalm, which these psalms sound like they could be in other books of the Bible. These psalms sound like they could be in the book of Proverbs. They could be in the book of Ecclesiastes. They sound like they could be all over the wisdom literature, but they're found here in the book of Psalms. Listen to this and tell me, okay, there's wisdom involved in this. This sounds like the Proverbs. It says this. This is Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So when the people sung that, what are they singing? Well, they're singing to God, I suppose, but really they're learning a concept. It's like those little kid songs that have like a, a moral truth to them, all right? Like when you learn, you know, little kid songs, especially at church, right? About God and his power, and you learn all the hand motions and stuff like that, right? Think of those, those old songs. Well, someone give me one of those songs. Oh, okay. Okay. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. That's a wisdom song. Okay. That's what it's intended to do. Right. It's not a psalm like in the Old Testament, but sure. That's a song that Christian kids learn. They say, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. So in that you're learning, well, the Bible tells me that Jesus loves me. That's something I need to remember for the rest of my life. That's what these psalms do. So Psalm 1, 15, 19, 73, and, and 90 are all wisdom psalms, which by the way, a lot more of the songs, those are just some examples. There's much more than that, but those are just the ones that we're going to cover. So Psalm type number two, this might seem the most obvious. And even within this, there's actually different types 
of praise songs or thanksgiving songs, these are like the common ones. This is what you would think of a worship song as, right? This is just the most generic thing. It's where um, a song to worship God for something that he's done for an individual or for a group of people. And even you can kind of see there, there's kind of a breakup that some of these type of songs are a response for something God did for David. And he says, God, you've done this for me. Other times, like later on in the Psalms, there's Thanksgiving Psalms for what God has done for the whole nation of Israel. And sometimes there's Psalms that have both. So that's why we're just going to say praise and Thanksgiving Psalms. Three Psalms that we're going to go over this year that are like that. One of them, Psalm 8, another one, Psalm 103. And the last one we're going to study right before the end of the school year, Psalm 145. So these are all songs where God gets praise. And here's an example of what one of them sounds like. Psalm 145, verse 1 to 3. He says, I will extol you. That's the fancy word, which means I'm going to praise God. I'm going to say God is the highest and greatest of everybody else. My God and King. And I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Okay. We could have said that in a lot of different ways. You could have read something from the book of Isaiah where God said that I am the Lord and I alone am the Lord. Right? Nobody else is God, just me. That's God speaking. And that's prophetic language. This is a different way of learning that, right? This is like, oh, this is a song we're supposed to sing. This is what the Israelites used to sing back in the day. And some of them still sing them today. And we sometimes have a lot of our worship songs, many of which are based off of the words from these psalms. So this is a praise and a worship and a thanksgiving psalm. Another type of psalm. This one's a little sad song. This is a lament. A lament. There's a book in the Bible that starts with the word lament, which is one big song that's in this style. Okay? It's the book of Lamentations. Can you see that in that word right there? Lament. Lamentations. Okay, what kind of song is this? Well, this is a sad song. A psalm where someone cries out for help to God in a hard situation. And again, this can be a psalm of lament when it comes to an individual asking God for help for his personal life, or it also could be someone and a group of people asking God for help for the whole nation. So there's different types of lament psalms. Here's one of them that we're going to cover in a few weeks. Psalm 13. This is an individual one. David asks God, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Notice that. Did God really forget about David completely? No. Then why does it say that? Right? I thought we believed the Bible was perfect. Then if this is saying, God, why did you forget about me? But it's not true that God forget, forgot about David. Then is the Bible totally true? We have to understand this in its context. We have to understand this as a sad song. It's not saying that God has completely forgotten about him. He's expressing his emotions. Like, it's like God forgot about me. It feels like right now, because whatever was going on in his life, it feels like God forgot about me. He goes on. He says, how long must I take counsel in my soul, means talk to myself, and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long am I going to be sad, God? That's what his question is. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? And I think right there, is the answer to why he's so sad. Because David has a situation where his enemy seems like he's winning and David is losing. But David's trying to do what God wants him to do. And he's saying, God, how long? Are you not going to answer my prayer? When are you going to answer my prayer? Right? So that's a different type of song. That's a sad song. That's a lament. We have to understand 
when we're reading Element that it is one of those type of songs. So that you don't open your Bible to Psalm 13 and say, see right there, it says that God forgot about him. That must mean God doesn't know everything. Do you see the danger in that? See how someone, if they didn't understand what they were reading, could open their Bible and say, well, it says there that he forgot about him. That's why we're learning these different types of songs. Next type of psalm. This one's kind of a hard one to categorize. But I think so many of the songs that we're going to read and study this year are like this that it's important to talk about. Songs of trust. Okay? This is a type of song that reaffirm. Okay? When I say reaffirm, the reason I say that is because these people are not people who, they don't get saved by singing this song. Okay? That they're in a right relationship with God, but what they're doing is they're reaffirming how much they trust God when they sing these type of songs. So songs that reaffirm the worshiper's confident trust in God. There are so many of these types of psalms, but we're just going to cover three of them. The hard part is, with all these songs, as you can see, there's a lot of songs that we're covering. And we're going to have 17 weeks, starting from this week, that we're going to cover different of these songs. So 17 different songs we're going to look at, maybe 18. We can add another one in there. But there's tons of different types. So this one, Psalm 16, Psalm 23, Psalm 63. All these are trust songs, where actually in all three of those, David says something to God. Here's one of them, really famous one, Psalm 23. You guys have heard this one before, where David says to God, the Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord really David's shepherd? Is he really David's shepherd? Is David a legitimate sheep? Is he actually fluffy and a sheep? Think about it, right? Because if I just am going to the Bible and I don't know what I'm reading, the Lord is my shepherd. We got a sheep that's talking here. That's so funny. I didn't know sheep talked like that, did they? Is this like Balaam's donkey situation? Right? You say, no, well, it's, it's a song. Ah, okay. What type of song? Well, it's a song of trust. Because David's saying he is like a sheep that's being taken care of by God who's a shepherd. Okay, that's what's really happening here. Because David, in fact, the Bible says that David is a shepherd. So he's saying, because of my experience, I know what it's like to take care of my sheep. Right? I'm saying that that's what it's like to know God, that he's like my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, right? What does it mean I shall not want? I want stuff all the time, right? I want food. I want clothing. I want to sleep, right? I want health, right? There's all these things that I want. What is he trying to say? He's like, well, it's like when I take care of these sheep and they have everything they need. There's nothing that they need that I have not provided for them. I shall not want. And he makes me lie down in green pastures, right? It's kind of weird. Does David just like to take naps out in the grass? Like, why is he saying? No, well, he's saying just like shepherds lead their sheep to give them the food they need and the rest that they need, that's what God does for us. Do you see how you have to understand this as a psalm and a song of trust in order to properly understand it? It says, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So even in verse three, you're kind of losing the metaphor of the sheep shepherd thing. And he's just kind of saying, well, here's what I mean by that. He's always giving me everything I need. He restores my soul when I have hard times. And he's always leading me in the right way to go. The path of righteousness, so to speak. Okay, Psalm of trust. Another type of Psalm, super common one. It's actually not super common, but the ones that we know are super famous. We're going to study two of them. Songs of confession. Okay. They take different names sometimes, but the the word I want you to write down is confession. Confessing what? That God is good? No. 
confessing that the, the author, the singer of the song is sinful and they need to be forgiven. So songs that express a sinner's heartfelt repentance over their sin as well as confidence in God's forgiveness, okay? Two psalms that we're gonna look at this semester that are penitent psalms or confession psalms. One of them is Psalm 32. Another one of them is Psalm 51. Psalm 51, one to three, David writes this. He says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. How can your transgressions be blotted out? You can't go into the past and blot them out. What does it even mean to blot out? Like to erase, like with a pencil, like a pencil eraser? Like what does it mean to be blot out? We have to understand those things. But the point here is, he asks God for forgiveness. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Now, is his sin like a, like a scar that's on him or like a, a dirt patch on his arm that can be washed off with a rag and water? No. See, even here, we're using song language. That's why we have to realize when we're going, we're going to a song here. We're not reading the same thing as the book of Genesis because if the book of Genesis, someone said, and he washed, uh, he washed his, his, his back, right? I don't think the book of Genesis says that, but let's just say it did. He washed his back. What you would think that means is, because the book of Genesis is narrative, right? It's a story. You think what the author's trying to say is, and then somebody took a rag and took water and washed someone's back, right? Well, here, something's getting washed, but it's my sin away. You see how it's figurative language? Just like I've got sunshine on a cloudy day, right? It doesn't have sunshine. It's expressive to, to share what he's feeling. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from all my sin. Then he gets honest with God. He says, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me, right? It's like my sin is right in front of my face. So this is another type of song, confession songs. They're not, you don't don't see many confession songs today, right? Most people are not writing songs of confession and and you don't hear those on Spotify very much, right? Um, But they're in the Psalms. Another type of Psalm that is situational, what I mean by that is, you could sing it anytime, but they would sing it at particular times before they did something. It's the songs of ascent, right? And the word ascent means to go up a hill, okay? So these are the songs that the Israelites would sing on the way to worship. And I think what they would literally do is as they were walking up the hill to Jerusalem before they went to a festival, it's like, you know, going up the mountain as you're going to winter camp, right? On the bus, as you're going to go worship God up there, as you're on the bus, what are some of the things you might do? Well, if you're thinking about how you're going to worship God up there, what you might do is you might sing with the people that you're walking with as you go up the hill. And that's what they did. So there's a whole group of Psalms. I believe it's from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134 that are all songs that the Israelites would sing as they went up the mountain, okay? One of them that we're going to look at is Psalm 133. Psalm 133. So as the people are coming to go to church, so to speak, or camp, really it was, what they were doing was more like camp because they'd only go a few times a year. They would bring tents. They would live outside for a bit in Jerusalem to, to worship in a festival that God ordained. But here's one of the things that they would sing. Psalm 133. As they were walking up the hill, they would say, behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Right? So they're singing this truth as they're going to camp, so to speak, Imagine what that does for them as they're about to worship God. 
Now what are they thinking? They're singing these songs about how good God is and how they need to get along. What are they singing right before they're all going to get stuffed into a city where they have to share space to go to the bathroom, right? Well, if they're singing on the way, it's good and it's pleasant to dwell in unity. It's good to dwell in unity with my brothers, right? As they're about to get together and have a week of, of living right next to each other, right? Not having to share water and having to share food. Do you see how this gets them in the right mindset before they go to camp, so to speak? Well, that's what they were doing, the songs of ascent. Okay? One more type of psalm that we're going to look at. This is the, one of the most interesting, the imprecatory psalms. That's a word you didn't use today. Imprecatory. What's the imprecatory psalms? Well, these are songs where the person who's singing is asking God to judge, asking God to punish people. So it's the songs that asks for God's judgment to come quickly on God's enemies. One example of that, Psalm 139, which you might not think of as an imprecatory psalm because it talks about how good God is in knowing everybody and he knows us and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. It talks about all that. But Psalm 139 in the middle has an imprecatory section which says this. Imagine singing this to God. You probably don't think about singing this to God, but this is what it says. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. God, I wish that you would just kill those people. That's in the Psalms, right? It's kind of strange. One of the Psalms says, I wish that you would break their teeth in their mouth, right? Whoa, (laughs) why are you so mad, right? Asking God to break people's teeth in their mouth? right, look what it says next. Oh, men of blood, depart from me, right? I want these people, and again, the situation is these evil people surrounded David, and he's saying, I want them to get away from me. They speak against you. Who's David talking to? He's not talking to his wife. He's not talking to his brother, He's talking to God. He's saying they speak against you, God, with malicious intent. They speak against you. Your enemies take your name in vain. What was one of the commandments? You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Right, so now you have someone praying to God, asking God to judge people who are going against God. Right? Again, this is probably the least common type of song that we see today. Maybe you'll see a confession song where some boyfriend is, you know, singing about his girlfriend. Oh, I shouldn't have cheated on you. Oh, I'm so sorry, right? That's kind of a confession song. You don't see many imprecatory songs today, right? Oh, I hope that they, you know, something bad happened. Actually, I guess you might see those. Something bad happens to that person, right? This one's the most challenging, I think, because we read it and we think, is that even okay? Like, is that not a bad thing? I thought we're not supposed to take revenge on people, right? And I think that's exactly the point. David, in this psalm in particular, instead of taking vengeance into his own hand and saying, God, I'm going to go kill these people, (laughs) he says, God, I need you to take care of them because I don't want to sin. So it's an expression of of anger, really, on the the psalmist's part, but really what it is is it's a trust in God, saying, God, you're going to take care of those evil people. Again, sometimes it's hard in our world because we think, you know, know, if someone does something wrong— you know, the police will take care of it or someone will take care of it. It's just, this is just not how it's been for most of history. A lot of stuff goes untaken care of. People are not judged the way they need to be judged and God has to take care of it. And some of you maybe have been situations like that where someone has been really mean to you or whatever and instead of taking revenge on them, you pray something like, God, I, I don't want to be mean to them. God, you just take care of them. That's an imprecatory psalm. That's basically what you're praying. God, you take care of it, not me. So those are the types of psalms, the types of songs that we're gonna look at. You just filled out that chart. So two things I want you to write down, three things really. Um, I want us to think about what the Psalms teach us. 
okay? Because this whole series is called Asking God. And every single title here will be a question that we are asking of God. Every sermon title here is something that we ask God. So the Psalms is going to teach us how to do two things. First of all, the Psalms are going to teach us how to talk about God. So we're going to learn a lot of theology. We're going to learn a lot about who God is, what God has done. We're going to learn how to talk about God. But maybe more importantly, I want you, after we go through this series, to learn how to better talk to God, okay? Because that's what a lot of these Psalms do. Some of the Psalms, like the wisdom Psalms, what do they do? They are telling us about God. But some of the Psalms are trust Psalms, right? Where the author talks to God. So even the way that you pray and the way that you talk to God, I want that to be affected by the Psalms. I want you to learn your vocabulary, so to speak. How do we talk to God? How do we pray to God? What are some things I should ask for? What are some attitudes I should have when I pray? The Psalms are going to teach you a lot of that. But I want you to purposely go into this and think, okay, as I look at these different songs, I am going to learn how to pray. I'm going to learn how to talk about God and talk to God through these Psalms, okay? So that's all introduction to everything. I want you to grab your Bibles and look at Psalm chapter 1. Grab a Bible and look at Psalm 1. Starting with a wisdom psalm. Really simple one. We're only going to spend about half of our time tonight. First half, we just talked about what the psalms are. Now we're just going to talk about this one little psalm, which if you were here, raise your hand if you were here at church this weekend. Who was at church this weekend? Okay. So a lot of you already heard a sermon about this psalm. Okay. It's the same one. If you're like, wait, did, did Pastor John preach that because he was going to preach it at the narrow? What? What? Yes, that's correct. So you already know what's going to happen here. You already know a lot of this. It's not all the same points and stuff, but I want you to look at Psalm chapter one. Look at verse one. So I want you to tell me, even before we look at it, shout it out. What type of song is this? What type of song is this? It's a teaching and wisdom song, right? This isn't a lament. This isn't a trust psalm. This is a song that we're supposed to learn something from, okay? Like the book of Proverbs or something like that. So that's what we're going to. Psalm 1.1. It says this, blessed, which means happy, super happy, is the man, is the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So what are we learning right here? First of all, we're learning that the happy person being described here, the truly blessed person, doesn't do something. There's something he doesn't do. There's something this junior high girl does not do. There's something this guy does not do. What is it? Well, the first thing is that they're not walking in the counsel of the wicked, which is very similar to standing in the way of sinners, which is very similar to sitting in the seat of scoffers, right? Scoffers is a, is a word used in the book of Proverbs to talk about the people that know God's word, but then they laugh at it, right? The people who, instead of, you know, you talk to some non-Christians who just don't really care about Christianity, but there's some who like love making fun of it and love making fun of God and telling everybody, you know, how, how mean God is, or whatever they think, right? That's the scoffer, okay? So what you see here is what happens to people is if you start walking in the counsel of the wicked, you might end up standing around with sinners because you like their company and you're interested in their conversation. And then after a while, after you start standing around for them a while, what happens? They say, well, why don't you sit down here in the seat of scoffers? And notice, Wicked, sinner, scoffer, that's getting worse. Walking, standing, sitting, that's getting worse. The whole point is sin draws you and me in. Sin draws us in. 
So the happy person doesn't get drawn in by sin. Do you see how we just try to understand that right now? It's poetry though. So that takes some work. We can't just look at it and immediately know what it says. Next thing, the blessed person, number two, verse number two, says his delight, his love is in the law of the Lord instead of with those sinners. He's not always wanting to be around those popular kids at school. In fact, he knows how bad it is for him to be with those popular kids at school because they're the wicked. They're the sinners and many of them are the scoffers. Many of you girls, right? You wanna be with a certain group of people. But the reality is you shouldn't even wanna be with them because they're the wicked or the sinners or the scoffers. But this person, this girl, her delight is in God's law. She wants to know the Bible. And on God's law, she meditates day and night. So this happy person, this happy junior high girl, so to speak, she always wants to know what God says. She doesn't care what the world says. You see how, like, even as you read this, you want to, like, insert yourself and say, okay, is this talking about me? Is this psalm describing me? Am I a happy person? Am I a blessed person? Or am I kind of the opposite of what's being described here? Verse number three, this blessed person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Does that mean that you're going to be really tall? Does that mean only tall people can be blessed, right? Does that mean only people with dark skin can be blessed because the tree, you know, it's probably dark and like, no, right? Is it people that can, only people who can grow leaves out of their hands, they can be blessed, right? So what we should probably all do is have a project tonight where we cut out some leaves, color them green with crayons and staple them to our hands, right? Is that what we should do, right? No, no, the answer is no, we shouldn't do that, okay? But do you understand how like, okay, we have to realize as we approach a song like this, if we're going to understand it, we have to know what it's saying. It's not saying you're like a tree because you're tall or your skin looks like that or you got leaves sticking out of your hands. The point is that you are like a tree in a certain way. What way are you like a tree if you're a blessed person? Well, it's like a person planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither and in all that he does, he prospers. So it says this happy person, this blessed person is connected to a life source planted by streams of water. This person is also fruitful, right? Just like Jesus told us to bear good fruit, right? John the Baptist said, bear good fruit in keeping with repentance. So this is saying the righteous person, because they're plugged in to the life source, they have the water, so to speak, they're fruitful and they don't wither. Their leaf does not wither. When things get hard, they don't crumble. When it's hard to obey God, they don't say, well, I'm giving up then. I'm not going to obey God now because I didn't know it was going to be hard. This happy, blessed person, they continue. And all they do, they prosper. Verse number four, not so are the wicked. The wicked are not like that. So verses one to three just painted a picture of a person who's really blessed and happy. Verse number four is saying, but the opposite is true of the wicked person. They are not blessed in the same way. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, right? So when the judgment day comes, they're not going to stand up and say, I'm proud of how I lived. Right? They're going to have to sit down. They're going to be ashamed. They can't even look at God because they're going to be so ashamed that they didn't obey God and they didn't respond to Jesus. They won't stand in the judgment, nor will sinners stand in the congregation of the righteous. You got a group of 50 people, let's just say, that are righteous people, God's people one day. If one sinner walked in the group, it'd be like, well, what are you doing here? right? This doesn't even make any sense. You didn't, you, you did not trust Jesus. You're not, you have not been made righteous by Jesus. You, there's just not, no fitting in there. But the people who do respond, they're the blessed ones. It says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. So even here and now, when things get hard, 
and the way, so to speak, like a path of living for God is hard, the comfort here is, well, God knows that way. He, he cares for people who are living that life. But the way of the wicked will perish. The lifestyle of sin will end in bad things. So two points for us as we look at this. Point number one, I want you to write this down. Stop surrounding yourself with sinful influences. So what do we learn in Psalm 1-1 that's key for our understanding? Well, how should I live? Well, first thing I should do is I should say, I need to stop surrounding myself with sinful influences. If I want to be happy, if I want to be blessed, if I want to do life the way God wants me to do it, or in other words, if I want to live the Christian life as we've talked about, right, if, I, if I'm claiming to be a real Christian here and I want to live the Christian life the way that God wants me to, or even if you're not a Christian yet and you want to become a Christian, right, what are some things I should be incorporating into my life to set me up best for that? Well, one thing is not surrounding yourself with sinful influences. Here's the picture. Walking, standing, sitting. Walking, standing, sitting. I think actually in this picture, this person starts by sitting and then stands and then walks. But the point is still the same, right? You understand the progression, right? Either you start by sitting, you, then you stand, and then you start walking, or you do it in reverse, which this text says we do it in reverse, right? People walking with people that probably aren't that, the best crowd for them. Then they end up standing around and having a conversation with them. Then after the while, they get invited to go to dinner or whatever, and now they're sitting in their house. That's what happens when you hang with people that you shouldn't hang with. That's what happens when you get involved with non-Christians who are always going against what God says, who are always telling you, wait, you seriously aren't allowed to do that? Your parents don't let you do that? We should come to my house because at my house, my parents will let us watch that movie. I can't believe your parents said you couldn't watch that movie. You can't listen to that music? Here, come here. Here's an earbud. Listen to my music, right? Do you see how what you're doing is, it's like I'm walking with them and then I'm standing with them and now I'm going to sit with them. Right? I'm hanging with them. There's something drawing me to what they're doing. Maybe something sinful or something I'm not allowed to do at home. And now you're getting drawn in and now you're in a bad place. Where did that all start? It started with you walking and then standing and then sitting. Some verses for you to write down here. First one, 1 Corinthians 15, Here's what the rest of the Bible says. Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Do not be deceived. Don't think that you're stronger than the people were back in the Bible times. Don't think that you are impervious or unvulnerable or, or, or completely resilient to people changing you because you can be changed. Bad company corrupts good morals. Proverbs 13, 20 and 21 says this. Another good verse for you to write down. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. This is what the Bible says over and over again. You want to make your friends, the foolish ones, the people who, which again, the wise and the fool in Proverbs, the wise person, it says in chapter one, is the one who fears God, the one who respects God. The fool is the one who only does whatever they want to do. So it doesn't mean if you hang out with people who get D's and C's in school, right, that you're going to be a bad person, right? Unless, unless there's a correlation there, right? This isn't, that's not the, what the fool is. The fool is the person who acts like, God doesn't care about my life. God does not care. You shouldn't care about God either. That's what the fool says. So you hang out with the fool for long enough, and some of you have seen this, haven't you? Right? You've made friends that you knew were bad, 
and you hung out with them a little, and you said, I'm only going to hang out with them a little. And then all of a sudden, you started talking like they were talking. You started laughing at their bad jokes, and then you started telling their bad jokes. Ladies, you started wanting to be like them, and then you were with them, and then you started dressing like them, and you had to stop doing that. And you had to, you were there, and you wanted to engage in their gossip, so you were, you were standing around there, and you were having them talk, 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 and you kind of liked it, even though you knew it was wrong. And then what'd you become? And you started gossiping just like them. You see how that just did Psalm 1-1? Because you stood around with them, and then you sat with them. You walked with them, stood with them, sat with them. The Bible says we should be the opposite. This is a, a chapter we're going to study in a few weeks. Psalm 15, the question is, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Again, figurative language, what's the point? Who is going to be close to God one day? Right? Who are the people that love God? How can we tell right now who are the people who love and are going to live with God one day? Well, one of the things verse 4 says, the people in whose eyes a vile person is despised. Not the person here who aspires to be like these evil people. Like a lot of you guys have role models who are evil people. Okay? A lot of you girls have people you look up to, girls you look up to that you would love to be like and you'd love to have all their followers, but they're evil like, but you shouldn't want to be like them. You shouldn't want to be like them. Guys, you have people who are in your life who you think are funny, who you think are popular, who you think are athletic or whatever you think they are. And it's like, I want to be like that. You look up to them and they are not good and they're evil. And you should stop looking up to them. That's what Psalm 15, 4 says. Unless, of course, you don't care about living with God. It says, in whose eyes a vile person is despised. That's a righteous person. That's what a blessed person does. Psalm 16 the next psalm, here's what David says. As for the saints in the land, the people who are God's people, even if they're not the most popular, even if they're not the most famous or most impressive or most attractive or whatever, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I love hanging out with them. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care what they dress like. I don't, I don't care that they're not as cool as some other people. I like them because they're God's people. Verse four says, on the other side of that, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. If I were to follow the wicked lifestyle, guess what would happen? My sadness would just go from two times to four times to eight times to 16 times to 32 times to 64 times. It would just get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. My sadness, whatever it is, it's gonna get multiplied time and time again if I follow any other God but the Lord. We're supposed to pray that we be delivered from temptation. Psalm 1-1 is a helpful reminder of that. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 13, pray then like this. And the last thing he told the people to pray for was that we would pray that God would lead us not into temptation, that we'd be steered away from the wicked person. Do you see how if you prayed that every day and you meant it, you probably wouldn't hang out with those guys who tell those bad jokes. You'd say, you know what? I'm going to steer clear. It's better for me to eat my turkey sandwich on this bench with nobody around me than to hang out with those guys, even if they're the only crowd to be with. It would literally be better for me to be alone and for those girls to think I'm weird than to hang out with them while they're gossiping. It would literally be better for me to do that. Have you thought about that? If you prayed, at least not in temptation, that's probably one of the things you would start doing. Galatians 6, this is a, a long-term mindset here, but Paul says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you reap, you'll sow. You listen to that bad music, guess what filth is going to come out of your mouth? Okay? Some bad stuff. Okay? You listen to those bad jokes, guess what? 
you're going to start telling those bad jokes. Do you see that? That you are vulnerable to being changed. For good or for evil. But here it says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Don't think that you can go unaffected by the world. You can't. You are all affected by the world. We all are. I am, you are. But we just need to say, okay, if I don't want to be affected by the world, I need to make sure I'm not surrounding myself intentionally with the people that are trying to get me to sin. You see how many people in your life, if you started to think about it, are really intentionally trying to get you to sin? That's a big deal. It's, it's, a, it's a high percentage of the people in your life are trying to get you to sin. Whoever sows to his own flesh will reap from his flesh corruption. Like, don't think that you can enjoy a little sin and laugh at a little sin and it won't come back to bite you. It will and it will be worse than you think. That's Psalm 1-1. If you're back in your Bible, look at Psalm 1-2. What does it say? It says, the blessed person, his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like that tree planted by streams of water, always yielding its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers, right? Point number two is this. I want you to start spending quality time in God's word. Just two things tonight for Psalm 1. I want you to stop surrounding yourself with the wicked people on purpose, and I want you to start spending quality time in God's word. Start spending quality time in God's word. You might remember for this weekend, I told you a story about Eden that in the hospital, the nurses gave us a, a big list uh, of things that we were supposed to do. And, and on this list, there was like this whole chart about when we're supposed to feed her. So that's her eating. And that's her eating. This is all, this is all little eating. She's all bigger than that now. She's, her cheeks have kind of filled in a little bit. This is little, look at the one on to the right, Marin. That She's She's tiny. She's so much bigger now. But anyway, that's what she's like. Point is, in that sheet that, that we were supposed to fill out, we were supposed to fill out every time she started eating, exactly the minute she started eating and the minute she stopped eating. We were supposed to say exactly how much. You can kind of see on those bottles, there's like, a, there's like little dashes that tell you how much is in there. We're supposed to say exactly how much she ate, right? And I said this weekend, look, this should remind all of us that we, like newborn infants, we need to long for the pure spiritual milk. And you'd be saying, well, what's the milk? Well, chapter one just got done in 1 Peter 1 saying that God's word remains forever. God's word is the thing that we need to want to fill our minds with. So Psalm 1, 2 says, delight is in the law of the Lord. Said if it, for Eden, it matters how much milk she drinks, especially at the beginning, right? She, wow, she's just so tiny. That's, she's so cute. Um, I like forgot. I was like looking back. Like, that's the biggest she's ever been, right? Look how, look how big she is. She's huge on the screen. But her cheeks are all bigger now, right? But even that, it's a good sign, right? She's, she's eaten, now she's, she's bigger and she's more healthy, right? Now that she has her food, it's good. She's like six pounds there. She's like almost 10 pounds now. It's awesome. Point is, we need the Bible. You need the Bible. If you're a Christian, you need the Bible. You need it. Do you understand? You need it. You don't think you need it, but you need it. Some of you think, I want it. No, you should more than want it. You need it. But God has given it to you. Psalm 19, one of the psalms we're going to look at in a few weeks. I'm trying to quote from these psalms so that we can kind of see what we're going to get at later on. But Psalm 19 says that the law of the Lord is perfect. It's perfect. Reviving the soul. Makes your soul come to life. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. 
The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. They're, they're better than gold. I'd rather have the Bible than have gold. Is that true for you? I'd rather have the Bible than have honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. I'd rather have the Bible than have candy. I'd rather have the Bible than have food. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. I would rather have God. Like, is that true? Can you say that? Or if you were to say it, would that be a lie? Is it true? That's the person in Psalm 1 that says is blessed, that his delight is in the law of the Lord. The point is like he loves God's law. And on his law, he's thinking about it, talking about it day and night. Deuteronomy 6 says this. This is the law. It says, this is the biggest law that they're supposed to have. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So big statement about God. There's one God. There's not five. There's not 12. You got to worship one. It's the only one. And this God, you should love with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. That's the big law, right? Then God says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart meditating, thinking about. You shall teach them to your children, diligently too. Not just sometimes, not just make sure you have it somewhere on your house so that they know what it is, right? This is kind of a verse for your parents, right? Well, just remember your parents need to teach you the Bible diligently, often, not just have signs in their house that have the the words of God on it. They need to tell you about the words of God because the expectation in the Bible is they're smarter than you, which by the way, Think that one through for two seconds. The expectation in the Bible is they are smarter than you. Your parents are smarter than you. You understand that? Your parents are smarter than you. So listen to them, okay? So when they're talking about God's word, right? Many of your parents are Christians. I know many of your parents, right? You need to listen. Don't give them attitude. Don't tell them, I've already heard this before. Just be quiet and listen to what they're saying because they're telling you the truth about God's word. Not picking on any of you in particular. I'm just saying, like, the Deuteronomy 6 says they're supposed to do that. So when they heard the sermon this weekend, one of the things they were supposed to take away is they were supposed to talk to you about it. So let them talk to you about it. Ask them about it. Ask them questions about it. If they don't know, they'll find answers and they'll talk to you about it. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit by your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Wait, you and I can apply this, whether you can apply this, is that you're talking about the Bible even with your parents and with your siblings. What's the last time you talked to your parents about the Bible? What did you ask them? Did you, because like if you're reading the Bible, you should be learning enough or at least asking enough questions to think, hmm, I wonder what my parents think about this. You could even challenge your parents to do a better job at this by always asking them about the Bible. Don't be afraid that it's going to be annoying unless you're annoying. And just stop being annoying as a person, and then it'll be fine. Right? You might just be an annoying person, right? Well, if your parents said, yeah, you can ask me questions, but just stop being so annoying, right? Well, then just don't be annoying. You all know how to not be annoying, right? The guy leaders just laughed at you because they said, no, you don't. You don't know how to not be annoying. You do, because you're all annoyed by some people. Maybe you're annoyed by me right now, right? But you all know how to not be annoying because you know what it is to be annoyed. So just don't be annoying to your parents, but ask them. Ask them questions about the Bible. That's awesome. (laughs) I don't even know what you're thinking, but next slide. So what does this look like for us? Okay, 
One of the things that it looks like is reading the Bible every day. Okay? We try to make it as easy as we can. We're only reading a couple chapters a day, but I want you to read the daily Bible reading this year. And I want you to look around at the people right next to you. You could actually look around at them if you want right now. You're free to do that. Hey, I want you to talk to them about it. Okay? It's helpful. I'm not just talking to one of you at a time. I'm talking to all of you because I want you all to be talking about what you're reading, right? And the reason I shot those videos is because I want you guys to have things to talk about. I try to answer some of your questions that you might have, but also a lot, if you start listening, a lot of the things I'm doing are trying to set you up to think about some of those things throughout the day, to think about what it means. Like today, we're in Matthew 5. What does it mean to be salt and light? What does it mean to be a light to the world, right? When, when people are doing sinful things to be the salt, what does that mean? What well, means that you are helping everybody else because you're not sinning. You're not taking part in the world's sin. So now if some of them want to come out of the sin of the world, they have someone to go to. They can go to you. But they can't do that if you're not the salt of the world and the light of the world. They can't do that if you're not standing up for what's right. You're making it harder for them to obey, right? That's something to think about. And as you go to school, you can think about that. That's just one little example from today's daily Bible reading. But we're at the perfect time of year, right at the beginning of the year. I want you to read, 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 and then talk about it. And if you feel like, I don't have anyone to talk to about it. My parents don't want to talk about it. They think I'm annoying. Right? Well, don't be annoying. And then, as you're not being annoying, talk to your small group about it. Right? A lot of you guys have group chats going. Some of you, maybe need to start some group chats. Right? Um, if you don't have group chats, right, it's my, my fault. I know. I'm not putting on you leaders. Right? It's my fault. But all you eighth graders, you have group chats where you're talking about God's word. Seventh graders, a lot of you guys have group chats too. You need to start talking about God's word. That's what I want you to do every day because if we're going to be the blessed person, right, and if we ask the question, how should I live, right, here's the answer. Two things. Stop surrounding yourself with people who are trying to get you to sin and start taking in God's word, spending quality time in God's word every day. So we've got three small group questions. We're going to talk about that tonight, but let's pray to God. Let's ask him for help doing this as we start to understand these Psalms, how to live. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word. Pray that as we study all these different songs this year that you would help us know what is true and what is right. Pray that we would start to learn how to talk about you and how to talk to you. Pray that these psalms would be so helpful for us and they'd shape the way that we pray and shape the way that we worship you. But I ultimately pray tonight about these two little points that we would figure out ways that we need to stop surrounding ourselves with the wicked people of the world who are trying to get us to sin, whether that's on our phones or at school. Just pray that we'd be willing to count the cost of saying no to them and to be able to have the strength to do that. Pray also that you would help us be in your word better this year. 